Hello and welcome to Privacy Paths. I'm Tom Cooper, Deputy Editor of Privacy Laws and Business Publications. Now, it's a big weekend coming coming up in the UK with pubs, restaurants and hospitality venues in England um, set to open on Saturday after a prolonged closure for co- the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, venues have been asked to keep a temporary record of the contact details of their customers to help uh, tracking and tracing any potential new outbreaks of the virus. Now, there are some data protection implications or concerns there. So I've got two of my colleagues here to discuss the uh, discuss this. I'll let them introduce themselves if you'd like to go first. Helena? Sure. I'm Helena. I'm Helena Wotton, data lawyer and consultant. And I'm Stuart Dresner, founder and chief executive of Privacy Laws and Business. Thanks both. Um, before we start, I'm just going to very briefly read out the paragraph um, from the government guidance, which you can find on gov.uk. And we'll post a link. You'll know that anyway, but we'll post a link uh, onto our social media just to help um, about what the actual requirement is. Um, it says the opening up of the economy following the COVID-19 outbreak has been supported by NHS Track and Trace, Test and Trace. You should assist this service by keeping a temporary record of your customers and visitors for 21 days in a way that is manageable for you and assist NHS Test and Trace with requests for that data if needed. Uh, many bookings that uh, many businesses that take bookings already have a system for recording this their customers and visitors including restaurants hotels um, if you do not already do this you should do so to help fight the virus we will work with industry and relevant bodies to design this system in line with data protection leg- legislation and set out details shortly now that guidance was issued on the 23rd of june i don't we haven't been able to track down the uh, further guidance yet I don't think it has been issued so um, what we're going to do is Helen is going to start off and give us a some fundamentals of data protection so whatever solutions are envisaged and whatever your responsibilities are you'll have a, a good a sort of a good basis of knowledge with uh, to evaluate the situation so take that away Helena. Thanks Tom and may I say how excited me and my friends are that the pubs are reopening. Um, So the six main data protection issues to consider for those who own or run venues in particular are firstly to only collect the information needed to keep a record of the customers in the venue, nothing more. Second is only keeping it for the purpose of assisting the efforts to reduce coronavirus and therefore for the test and trace. Third is you must delete it after 21 days. You must delete the data you collect after 21 days. Fourth is to provide an information notice to your customers at the time you collect the data. Fifth is to only disclose the information to the test and trace authorities when they request it. My understanding is they're not collecting it and just sending it to the, the, the authorities without being requested. The final point, number six, is security. This is really important, making sure that you are careful with your records, whether they're on paper, in apps or whatever other tech you're using for the collection. So they're the, say, the six main issues to consider. Okay, thanks, Helena. Um, can I raise an even more fundamental fundamental is um, do data protection rules actually apply, say, in situations where all I'm doing is keeping a paper book or a diary or something like that? No computers, nothing like that involved. 
They do. I'm afraid. Yes, no, they do. Yeah, you're collecting people's information. You're keeping it in a, a filing format. Um, and so, yes, yeah, the data protection rules apply. So the important point here is that even though the uh, records are required by the corona, coronavirus law, the Data Protection Act also applies to the collection of this data. In other words, both laws apply. One provides a rationale and the other provides a, a method of looking after the data and uh, keeping it within certain constraints. Yeah, that's right. So individuals' rights don't disappear, I guess, as a result of, of coronavirus. It's, it's a balancing, I suppose, of the of the two. Okay, so I might just um, stick to that order that you've um, laid out there, Helena. So starting with data, data minimisation, um, so I'm the I'm the landlord of the the fictional cat and fiddle pub in um, Little Snoring, and uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to opening. And uh, I'm not. I, I think I've got to. We don't actually sort certain this at the moment, but I'm going to collect uh, name, address, phone number, email address, and I might um, collect a few other things at the same time. I might collect whether people are vegetarians or something like that because it's going to be really handy for for me. So um, can I do that? Just sort of extend it a little bit and uh, that'll be fine? No, the, the rules on the data protection law are there's a principle called data minimization, which means only collecting a minimum amount of data needed for the reason, for the purpose. So here, the purpose is to collect information to share with the NHS test and trace. So what information do you need to, to trace someone? Probably a name and phone number or email address. I know of in other countries, we'll come on to this, they have been collecting uh, postal addresses as well, but there's an argument that you don't need that. So it's whatever information you feel you'll need to trace that individual, not whether they're a vegetarian or not. Okay, it's just I've been trying to exclude those from the pub for ages. There no, has to be a better way of doing it. Right. Discrimination. Okay. <laughs> so, um, okay, so... The best, the safest ground to be on is just to collect the very minimum, not the very minimum, but exactly what you're asked, asked for in the government guidance when we get the final details. Nothing more than that, no extra, just in case data. So That's right, yeah. Okie doke. So moving on then, it's uh, opening night was a great success. Uh, little snoring just has not seen the like of it since the, the coronation. <laughs> it was huge. And, and I've now got this big list of telephone numbers and uh, I'd just really like to text my customers and just say, oh, I'm just so pleased to be open again. Thank you so much. I'm not going to try and sell them anything. I just want to say thank you for coming in. But that, that won't be a problem, will it? Unfortunately, if you do that, you're likely to get into trouble if any of your customers complain to the Information Commissioner's Office, the regulator in the UK. Um, you are allowed to collect this data or required to collect the data only for enabling test and trace to work. You're not allowed to text them for any other reason. Okay, right. Very definite answer then. So, uh, okay. Moving on to retention. So we've got the 21 days. Uh, is that a strict thing or can I just sort of uh, destroy the book at the end of the year when I don't need it anymore? Is that okay? I think um, it is a strict requirement to destroy the data after 21 days um, and specifically to guard against holding on to the data for longer than 
is necessary and to avoid that holding on to it till the end of the year just in case. Uh, the government has chosen its 21 days, presumably to allow for the development of the virus in someone who might catch it in a particular place, and then they can follow up and find out who the contacts, who the people are, and then uh, ask them to uh, isolate if that's what's required. In terms of destruction after 21 days, this should be done in a very secure manner. Um, if it's electronic, then there'll be ways of, of getting rid of the information electronically. And if you hold the information on paper, the data should be shredded, not just thrown in the bin or thrown in the, the dustbin at the end of the end of the period. So that is very strict and should have proper method of destroying the data. So we've seen a number of cases, haven't we, over the years of um, data in bins, uh, some supermarket car park bins have found data. One thing I would say about keeping the data, if if, um, if you're tempted to keep the data for longer, is an individual has a right to request information that you hold about them. So to reduce the volume of data you hold about an individual for a, long, a length of time, get rid of it after 21 days you could get in trouble again with the ICO who can issue who issue fines. Yes, it's much easier to say, well, when did you come to the restaurant? And they say um, four weeks ago. And then you can say, mm. but we only keep the data for 21 days, so therefore we don't hold that data yeah. anymore. And that is an entirely legal and proper way to respond to that kind of request. Yep. Okay, so that's almost basic good housekeeping, yes. isn't it? Just uh, keep, keeping your data... Yeah, the phrase is often used, yeah. data hygiene, which obviously as operator of a pub or restaurant, you'd be familiar with rules about food and drink hygiene. Well, this is data hygiene. So there you are. Well, it's time to go back to little snoring. <laughs> now, <laughs> it's um, do uh, the landlord Terry's contacted me. He wants to know what does he have to tell his customers about the data that he's collecting? Is it... Uh, it's fine just to say you've got to give me this or does he have to give them more information than that? It's really important under data law to be transparent with about the information you collect and the reasons you're collecting it and what you're going to do with it. Now, I haven't seen any template notice yet that, that pub landlords that Terry could pin up in the pub, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if the government didn't produce that for us. Um Whatever happens and whatever government guidance comes out, we must have a notice to individuals at the time of collection. They must be able to know what's what's going to happen with their data. Yes, and that could be given verbally when someone comes in, but it's a good idea to also have a written notice. So they've been you've communicated the information in two different ways, and there's it, more likely to to go in if it's shown. And, and but so you speak to someone as well. Also, I think uh, the tone of telling people about the information about why keeping it is important. Um, so you uh, should be a very calm way to say, well, this is what we have to do, and it's all part of society working together to uh, protect protect us as a community and it's we shouldn't say it's just that's the government that's what we have to do it's also to help us um, keep ourselves uh, safe as we can it's interesting that the point about communicating it orally so in, just by speaking to someone because it's it's tricky to prove that you've told them i know it's tricky to prove that someone's read the notice as well but it, actually if the policy is for the pub to have the notice up, then we know that everyone who's been in the pub will have seen it. So because the information has to be provided to, uh, made available to the individual. 
Yes, and also so positioning of the notes is important. It should be in a size of type, which is easy to read by anyone, not just sort of un under 20s or something, uh, and uh, in, a, in a decent, well, both placed in a good position and in a decent size type and a decent color contrast, meaning things you, you've got to have uh, things which are easily, black on white or something which is very easy to read and not be obfuscated by use of weird color combinations. Yes. I think I'm think I'm following this, but uh, it's um, it was actually a really, uh, as I said, it was a really big night, and uh, there was a couple of minor crimes in Little Snoring, and um, our local mm. police officer has just popped in, have a quiet word with Terry, and he just wants to have a quick look at the register, just so he can see if there were any strangers in the village that night. Um, that's no problem, is it, uh, law enforcement? Well, again. It's a fairly tricky area. My initial response is no, do not share that because, again, the purpose for collection of the information was to help with the NHS test and trace. The police authorities do have their own powers to request data, which they would be able to go and rely upon. They'd need to go and get a court order. That would be my initial response. But generally speaking, the, in terms of disclosure, it, it should only be disclosed what to the NHS is that the idea of them that's right yeah so the, the point about the um, whole um, missive the government requirement is that this helps the NHS test and trace efforts and that's the only purpose for disclosure that brings us on to the matter of what you should do with the data how you should look after it once you've collected it Stuart's already brought up the important point about destruction of the data whether that's held on a computer or on paper. But um, how should we actually care for this data that's in our possession, Helena? With the best security you can. The rules are that you must have appropriate security measures in place to keep the data secure um, and away from unauthorised access. Um, more difficult perhaps with a piece of paper. You can't encrypt a piece of paper and it's easy for one guest in a queue to look over someone's shoulder. Um, but really, it's about making sure that you have measures in place. Um, and I know we're going to talk about training of staff, for example, um, using technology that keeps it secure, that's really difficult to get in, access only by those employees who, who are in, allowed. Um, yeah, and keep it locked if it's a if it's a paper book, keep that locked up overnight or whenever you're not using it and take out the pages. You might want to have a folder, I suppose, to take out the pages from previous days. Ultimately, it's tricky. And I understand in New Zealand that it was visible, that other people's information was visible to visitors in, in various pubs. So we, yeah, it's really important to put in place measures so that no one can see anyone else's data and that it's all kept secure. Yeah, talking about New Zealand, um, I understand the rules there are, are absolutely precise about the information should be collected, uh, which is uh, which a date of the when you, the person is booked to come in, the time they're expected to come in, their full name, and their phone or email address. Although in the U it would be quite logical to, for the government here in the UK to ask for the phone and email address um, because that would be. Uh, phone number and email address because that would be if there's has to be any tracing of a person then that enables the trace to be conducted 
quicker uh, if, um, if if that information is there. And we wait to hear from the UK government about exactly what information they will require, but we can expect it will be very similar to that in New Zealand. And we can point out that New Zealand has been extraordinarily successful in uh, damping down COVID-19 due to a whole series of uh, measures. Uh, so there's something to be learned there. We just mentioned staff training there. Helena mentioned staff training. So um, what response, I mean, say one of my waiters in uh, in uh, Cat and Fiddle um, glances down the register and, and sees the phone number of his ex-girlfriend and decides it might be, oh, I've lost, I've lost that off my phone. I might just text her and say hello. From what we've discussed already, big alarm bells there, aren't there? So what's 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 the landlord's responsibility in terms of educating his staff um, in those sorts of situations? Well, ultimately, the landlord could be responsible for any damage or distress that is suffered by the individual who was contacted. And this has happened in New Zealand, actually, again, um, I think the New Zealand model works really well. It's just this, these instances came up. Um, so, yeah, so the waiter in the cat and fiddle would be going outside of his um, remit and should not be allowed to use the data in that way. Clearly, the, the boss, his boss must train him and must put, again, in, put in as many measures as possible to ensure that he, he can't take the, uh, the ex-girlfriend's number and use it for that purpose. Yeah, so it's a combination of yeah, it's a combination of training and uh, managing the information, like locking it away at night. Uh, they work in, in in combination to achieve the uh, intention that the law requires. Yeah, and making sure it's really clear for the individual that that is not allowed. And I think everyone does know now when they work in the um, the pub industry and hospitality industry that you cannot take well, any industry, you cannot take customers' details and use them for your own purpose. Um, yes, in fact, the very first case uh, under the UK Data Protection Act 1984 that went to the House of Lords, as it was in those days now, be the Supreme Court, involved a policeman who used the police national register to get access to the boyfriend of his daughter, and he wanted to check up on this person to find out whether he was a suitable man for his daughter and that case went to the supreme what was then supreme court uh, in the uk and it was clear the result was the decision was that is not a proper use of the police national computer i mentioned that a bit of a digression but to show the importance of using data for the purpose which is collected and not to uh, vary it and not to go off in a different direction okay um there's one other point on this safety. What happens if I actually lose the computer or lose the book? Do I have to yeah. tell somebody? Yeah, this is a um, good question. I'm sure it will never happen. Um, if the uh, the worst does uh, uh, occur, then there's an obligation to notify the Information Commissioner's office, um, and that's at uh, ICO. Dot uk, and there is a requirement within 72 hours to notify of um, the loss. And you can do that either by the hotline or by submitting a, um, a form on their website. And they also have a help helpline. The ICO has a helpline where you can discuss whether the um, staff there think it's a serious enough case to be officially logged. In some cases, there's over-reporting and the staff say, that's not serious enough 
don't worry about it. Mm. And when we did a survey of our readers a year ago or so, um, many uh, data, professional data protection managers were surprised at how often a case that they thought was quite serious, the ICO staff said, don't worry about it. We've, we've basically got more important cases to deal with. Yeah. So, but it's a good thing to check. And I completely support what Helena says, contact the ICO and and sound them out so you you're 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 on safe ground yeah they'll assess the risk to the individuals because that's the test um yeah the wording says that unless there's no risk to individuals you have to report it but i think that's been kind of a bit yeah watered down a little perhaps by the ico given the number of people who've been reporting yeah okay um i just might there's one point i would quickly like to make uh, just for clarity is that um data protection law is as a one law for the entire united kingdom whereas um health is actually a delegated matter so um there may be slightly different rules in terms of what data needs to be collected um in the different um um nations of the united kingdom in northern ireland wales and scotland um for example they're actually already opening on slightly different dates so um but the data protection principles apply throughout all the home nations. So um, these principles should stand you in good stead anyway. The other the other area we, we just wanted to touch on briefly was uh, if um, all you do is use websites or apps for um, taking bookings, so you're not recording any information actually in the pub, um, are you sort of completely off the hook in terms of any sort of responsibilities for the data? No, you are still responsible. So it's really key if you're using any third party apps that you have an arrangement with them that makes it clear that the third party app um, is very secure, that it will keep the data in accordance with data protection law. And both the pub and the app provider will probably be data controller, that's a technical term, uh, will both be responsible for complying with the data protection laws. So you can't get away as a pub owner, you can't get away with not being responsible. At the same time, if it was the app owner who caused the breach, then the information commissioner would look at where the breach was caused, if there was a data loss, for example. Um, but it's always important for the pub owner to make sure that they get a reputable app company to, um, to, to use. Okay, um, I think we're sort of fairly close to, to time here, so we're looking towards wrapping up. Um, are there any other major points that uh, anyone would like to, to chip in with? No, I just think it's important um, to remember the data protection issues and it hopefully will be straightforward and good luck to those who are organising for their measures on opening night. Yes, and um, Stuart... Uh, just tell us a little bit about PLNB and uh, give us a bit of a sign-off from you. Yes, well, Privacy Laws and Business, uh, we publish the world's longest-running publication on this subject, and uh, where we every month we, we publish uh, Privacy Laws Business UK and International Report in, uh, alternately. And um, we've very recently started a data protection clinic, uh, which is a method for uh, and Helena is one of our consultants uh, who, who man the uh, not person the clinic and provide that service. And uh, if anyone's got uh, some questions on on data protection law, uh, and you can have the idea is you have a, a thirty minute session in which you deal with some questions uh, in the data protection clinic. If you visit privacylaws.com, uh, all will be clear. And uh, we look forward to meeting you on the next podcast. And Helena, we can follow you on social media, can't we? Yeah, I'm at Helena Wotton uh, on Twitter and um, also Instagram. And yeah, let me know if you need any consultancy help with your privacy notices or anything else.
Thanks, Tom. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing your uh, Instagrammed photos from the pub on Saturday night. <laughs> I will share them. I'll take photos of the notices on the walls. The information notices. <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys okay thanks uh, thanks uh, thanks for listening everyone so yeah just uh, if you've got uh, we'll we'll put some links on our social media feed so at privacy laws is one of them we're also on linkedin and you can find us on facebook uh, thanks for listening and uh, keep listening to uh, our series of privacy paths podcasts thank you